Hoody hoo. Hi guys. Uh, welcome to episode 57. Uh, another just knock out of the park. Uh, I guess you can say that's topical because baseball. Uh, you know, out of the park type of guest. Um, Jessica's great. Um, I, like I said, I say some, I seem to repeat myself a thousand times because I, I don't know how many adjectives and how many words I could use to describe these people because they're all so damn great. Um, I try to get the best guess possible. I don't, I, I'm not, I really don't. I just try to find good people and I'm getting lucky. I mean, I don't know, man. I, I've been kind of trying to figure out where, where I'm at with God and all that and praying a little bit. I don't know. Maybe that's helping. I'm not going to say it is. I, I'm, I'm just literally saying it's a possibility. Um, but yeah, so enough of my crap. Uh, I will see you guys on the next one, as I also say at the end of the episode, so I don't know why I have to repeat myself, but thanks, guys, for your support. Okay. All right, guys, so we are back, and um, again, I keep saying kind of the same thing and repeat that I've been kind of searching the internet for amazing people, and I signed up for this new website called podmatch.com, and um, I didn't really know what to expect of it. Um, I kind of was just going through the search engine and seeing what, uh, what amazing guests are out there. Uh, and this person like really caught my attention. I mean, there's obvious reasons, but I actually was reading her story and just what she, you know, what she has overcome and find it really amazing. Um, so why don't you tell us, you, you know, your name and, uh, where you're from and then obviously what your condition is. Okay. My name is Jessica Cox. I am from Arizona. Tucson, Arizona, and I was born without both my arms, so I've lived my whole life adapting to use my to using my feet as my hands. Uh, okay, uh, and you said you were born like that. Yes. So this is all I've ever known. I've done this since day one. It's my normal, and it seems a little odd to some people, but and it catches them off guard for sure. But for me, it's just my normal. Now, is this something that they can detect in the womb, or you don't know until? You're actually, I guess, hatched. They actually had no idea. I was born in 83. So then the sonograms were really not as advanced as advanced as they are today. Now they can see everything about a baby before they're born. But back then they didn't even um, pick up on the fact that I had two arms that never developed. And so it was actually a, a total shock. They found out through doing some... Um, tests and things that this wasn't a genetic condition. Um, it was simply uh, exposure to something in the environment that my mom had, uh, and that's what caused during that critical time of development the arms not to develop. Right. Okay. Um, so when? Uh, so, so how was your? I mean, you know, just in certain details, like how was your childhood affected? Like how how did that impact you? Well. My my parents' lives were turned upside down the moment that, uh, obviously, I was born. They had my brother before me, and he had all his limbs. So they really didn't know what kind of future was in store for me, and it, and it was a very difficult time initially. For the first couple of months, my mom really blocked everyone out of her world just to figure out how to cope with this shock of my birth uh, condition. And they were strong parents through it all. There were days that were harder than others. Um, for me, growing up, I started to become aware of my difference at around probably 
I know it sounds early, but about a year old because not so much because of how I interacted with my family, but more so how does the world treated me on the outside uh, when I went out to places like the store or public places, the reactions from the outside world is what reminded me that I was different. Right. Did that, that impact you? I mean, obviously probably more in a later year when you're more mentally developed, but as you know, you're a, you're an attractive woman, but like, does that kind of mess with your psyche of just, you know, cause the girls of course care about their looks in, in, in most cases. Um, how did that like impact you in that way? Just like mentally and psychologically when you're kind of old enough and you want to date boys and all that. Oh, uh, it was a huge, uh, had a huge impact on my psyche. I would say, um, early on, I really had horrible self-esteem and I wanted to do things to essentially feel accepted or, um, blend in more, whether it was hiding my difference, uh, through prosthetic limbs or whether it was wearing a long sleeve sweater to cover up my armless shoulders. Just doing things to really uh, avoid the spotlight and the attention that my condition demanded or commanded when I went out places. And when it came to um, going into adolescence in that time, like you said, when it came to boys and, and that whole stage in life, it was very hard because I had such low self-esteem and I had such low confidence that I just really became very withdrawn and shy. And my high school senior book, they labeled me as senior most uh, as far as the shy, shyest in my senior class. So it was obviously uh, something that I was very aware of is the fact that I was different and, and everything that that meant. Not so much the challenges of, of doing things with my feet, because I could figure those out, but also the emotional impact of, of being different, the social impact. Right. So when, when did you, sorry, not to, I don't want to jump around too much, but to go back a little bit, when did you actually learn how to use your feet? And like, is, is there a therapy? Like how, how do you actually even try to learn this? Oh, learning to use your feet is not as big of a deal as people make it out to because the arms were never there to begin with. So I immediately had to make a connection with how I was going to maneuver through the world and my feet were there. So it was almost like this automatic thing that the arms aren't there, the hands aren't there. So I started to use my toes to grab a hold of things like um, toys with my feet or finally learning how to eat with my feet by holding a fork between my toes. Those things that most babies and toddlers progress through in childhood, I did the same, but everything was just done with my feet instead. Now, do you, do you have like really good balance and flexibility? As a result of the need to use my legs and feet, and because when I'm standing up, I have to use one of my feet to do things. So I'm standing on one leg a lot. And as a result, the balance was something that became heightened, as well as the flexibility. But we all started off very flexible as kids. And for me, I just maintained it because every single day I used it. Right. Yeah. That's, no, that's, it, is, it is weird, right? Like how the body works because it's like people kind of think it's a myth. Like, you know, we talk about like if one of our senses goes down, all the others kind of enhance and they pick up. So like for me, when my eyes are bad, my hearing gets a lot better. My taste buds are, or, you know, whatever. 
Um, it's very odd how the body kind of develops and, and kind of works its way into something that's actually beneficial, even if it's, you know, kind of a, I don't know. It, it's, it, yeah, it's just kind of overcome for the whatever's missing. Yes, and it's, there's actually some physiological evidence of that as well on brain maps. You know, we have a map of where our brain, how it functions, and there's an area of our brain that associates hands, and there's an area of our brain, obviously, that associates our feet. And um, there's some crossover there is what they were finding with my brain mapping because of that way, way that my body adapted. Right. Uh, can you, okay, so, um, you know, your arms are gone, but like, do you still have like your shoulder blades and all that? I mean, I, I've seen the pictures, but I mean, for the audience. I, I do. Um, I would say the, is it the scapula that's behind your shoulder, you're on your, you know, behind your back? Okay just below your shoulders. What is that called? Is that the scapula? I don't want to say yes and sound like an idiot. I, I, I'm i not sure. <laughs> I really don't know. Okay, whatever part that is, I know that mine are underdeveloped because the arms were never there to begin with. Right. So they're probably smaller. Okay. But yeah, I don't have arms from the shoulders. Now, do you have like, I don't know how to even, like do you have like feeling in that area at all? Like whatever whatever's, whatever is there, like can you... Can you move your shoulder blades or, or anything like? This is yeah, a- I can move my shoulders just like anywhere else. In fact, I overly move my shoulders sometimes, I guess, in a way to compensate for not having the hands and arms to gesticulate. So right. I use my shoulders a lot. I use my facial expressions a lot. So your body finds ways to um, essentially... Uh, redirect those need, that need to express yourself. And so, yeah, I do still use my shoulders. They are more tense, so I have to get massages because they're just sitting there a lot of times. Right. Just more than there. someone who has arms and is always using their shoulders. Right. But right. I get a lot of tension in my shoulders and neck. I'm sure, yeah. Now, was there, and again, I don't know if you even know the answer to this, but is there was there any possibility or any options for you? Because, they, you know, they have guys with, like, mechanical legs, was there, is there anything for something like that for someone like you, like some sort of mechanical arms that you can control however they, the guy does it? I don't know. I, actually, he just runs on them. Yeah, I know there have been advancements in prosthetics, and I had the option, so I wore them for 11 years. Oh, okay. Um, they've been pretty, I mean, obviously, I used them in the 90s, so they were not as advanced as they are now. Now they can connect to, like, brain waves and things like that, but now um, it's a lot more advanced. So when I was using them, it was a lot more body motion right. that activated the, the prosthetics. Right. And it was very limited because when you think about it, if I have body motion prosthetics, I have to think through what I want to get done first and think about how I'm going to achieve it. So instead of just doing everything right away with my toes and feet, which is more fast and efficient, I had to think about how I was going to move the prosthetics in order to perform the task. Right. So why, ha- why haven't you gone back to them as far as more modern They just versions? never really connected. I never connected with them. Um, even the more advanced ones, I don't think I would have that same connection that I have. There's nothing really that can replace a uh, touch, which is available through my toes and feet. I can feel if something's, you know, hot or cold or smooth or rough. And that, that type of uh, tactile ability is something that prosthetics never provided me. Right. 
No, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's really whatever works for you. I just was curious. I mean, obviously a person with two arms, um, I had a friend who I've talked about before. He has like one arm that's kind of, uh, he's kind of, he's got like two fingers on it and, but his arm doesn't, uh, stretch out. It's like basically the shoulder. I don't even know how to say it, but like his show, he can't extend his arm out. It's his arm is basically against his chest. Uh, and it's really short. Um, and I've watched him work and I, like I was in all of them because, you know, he wasn't the fastest worker, but he always put a, 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 you know, a shitload of effort in because he just, he wanted to prove himself. Um, and he has an eye problem on top of it, but I was always fascinated. It made me really kind of appreciate the fact that I have two functional arms. Cause I'm like, wow, like this guy is struggling with one and a half and I'm bitching that, you know, I'm, I can't carry all my groceries with my two arms. It's like, okay, I should just kind of chill out and just appreciate what I have. Yeah, it's true. It's just amazing how it does take more energy. It takes more effort. Um, but like you said, when you, I kind of caught on to when you said he wanted to prove himself. And I think a lot of times we feel that way that we need to prove ourselves um, because people see our inadequacy more than our ability. And that's the unfortunate reality is what people focus on. And um, so sometimes we feel compelled that we have to prove ourselves, whether it means being, you know, better at something or doing, working harder, like it sounds like your friend was a real hard, good hard worker. And it's, it's, it can take a toll on your body too over time. Um, if you have to over, overwork yourself. Right. Absolutely. Um, so what, uh, did you have like a very good support system behind you? Like was your family really supportive of you? Yeah, I had an amazing family. I mean, I had a close knit family. They came from close knit families of their own. My parents did. And so they kind of came together and really um, were my foundation of wanting to do the things that I wanted to do and supporting me in the process. Um, because there were a lot of times when I felt powerless growing up. Well, we all do growing up, but especially when you have a difference. And they really helped me out and helped me uh, find the ways in which I could heighten my confidence by doing things like swim lessons or uh, Girl Scout or dance class or practice Taekwondo and do all these activities that boosted my confidence. Wow. Yeah, that's great. Um, so like, I mean, honestly, that's always the key to a lot of it. Like if you, you know, we talk about a lot of times on here or just about how we all kind of feel alone when we are kind of the oddball, like the person that everyone's staring at and is like, Oh, like there's something clearly wrong with them. And you just feel like you're so alone in the world because whatever it is, you feel like a freak or whatever it is. And, you know, clearly we're not, but at that point in time, you feel so alone. And if you have that kind of support system, family, friends, or a lover, or whatever is there, and they make you feel attractive, and they make you feel like you're not a freak or whatever, um, it's easier to kind of be acclimated to life and just appreciate things. Um, I mean, you're still going to go through your demons and all That's that. That's true. Yeah, you're still going to go through your problems, but yeah. it's much easier if you can go downstairs and someone will give you a hug. Yeah, I love the way you put that because we all want, and I think with the human need to be accepted, to be loved unconditionally, and um, and that's what we all want. And sometimes it's, it seems harder for those who have a very visual difference about them for that acceptance piece that we all need. 
Right. And there, there's such a, like a huge stigma attached to our community because a lot of people think we're, you know, we're lazy or, or whatever because we have disability. And, um, you know, a lot of us are, are trying, like, because I think people just think like, oh, you know, you have your arm problem or you have your eye problem, which is, it's always sad when people actually try to downplay what we have because it's like they have no idea what it's like to be in our shoes. But it's also like, you don't understand, like, the things that come with having a disability. It, you know, mental health is automatically, you know, implanted in you. I mean, again, I think we all have it, but when you have a disability, it's way harder. Now, again, some of us overcome it more than others and whatever, but there's so much on your plate and there's so, you know, battling, you know, the job market and, and, and just people and, and just, you know, how you're treated differently in every single way and how everything you're trying to, you know, you're trying to, you know, my whole life, all the gadgets and all the things I use are based around my site, even though I have very little sight. Um, and so you know, everything has to be acclimated to what I do. And finding all those things is not easy, especially when you're young and, and you don't really know any research. And, and, and you know, and we were born in the 80s. So things like then were not the same. Um, and now, you know, mm-hmm. my, my iPhone does everything. Um, but uh, yeah, and so it's like you got, you know, there's so many things that are attached to us. And, you know, people have these perceptions of what we're like and why we are the way we are. But it's like, Man, like there's so like, you know, I, I've talked over this about my friends. Like, it's funny, like we'll talk about some of the things that we've accomplished in our lives. And sometimes they're the most basic things like uh, I have my own place and I work. And to the average person, you, mm-hmm. you say that as like a, a brag. They look at you like, yeah, like my whole family has a job. My, all my kids have houses and so on. It's like, yeah, but you don't have the hurdles that are put in front of you. Like you don't, you know, there's a lot more pain and a lot more effort that you got to put in um, to overcome. And I'm sure you saw a lot of that. Yeah. It's those small things. We don't, you know, we, we can't take for granted the, the small things. Like for me was that challenge of getting dressed on my own and figuring out how to do that. I mean, I fly a plane and yet it was harder to learn how to get dressed on my own without arms than it was to learn how to fly a plane with my feet. So it's, it's those small things. And even something I struggle with today I have my hair in a ponytail right now um, and I had to ask my husband to put my hair in a ponytail because that's the one thing I'm still working on is tying my hair up. But I, I love that about you though. Like, you know, like I said, I just met you, but I love the fact that like, you know, me and my friend Paul, like we have this thing, we just say fuck limitations because people are constantly putting limitations on us, even though we already have some, like I know I can't drive. So it's like something I can't do because mm-hmm. I don't have the eye acuity or whatever you want to call it to actually be able to drive. So I know that's an actual limitation. But then some people will say I can't climb a ladder or I can't do this, can't do that. It's like I'll show you. And so I love that about you. Like clearly it's something that's very difficult. And I'm thinking like I could, I, you know, I would love to just get my leg over my head. But I don't think I can, at least not right now. I, probably because I'm out of shape. But um but the fact that you you're still like you, it's something you're gonna work on, and I guarantee you'll probably accomplish it. I mean, I know you will, because you've done harder things. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 crazy how you know if you put your mind to it, and we all have it in us. Sometimes we just have to tap into it, that real resilience and that perseverance to do something. Um, and and I think at times even having challenges is what builds our resilience in a way. 
Right. So I'm not going to, I don't want to get, make it like personal, but like, okay. So how, how do you get dressed? Like, how do you put pants and a shirt on? So like this morning getting dressed, I have hooks that I use to essentially put my clothes on the hook and then step into my clothes, clothes and Google my way in. So I'm using a dressing hook, which essentially was a tool for something else. But now I have it mounted in the wall and I also have a, a, a portable one that I can travel with. And it allows me to be independent in getting dressed and using the restroom. But if it wasn't for that tool, I don't know how I would figure it out. That's so clever, though. I love that. I love these little, like, we all have them. Like, I have my things for my site stuff. And it's, I love learning about people's little gadgets and things they use to, like I said, make their life work for them. Um, what about pants? Is it the same thing? Is it just, just kind of standing there and you kind of step into them? Exactly. Yeah. Pants are actually what the hook is for. The shirt I can just put on with my foot, reach it over my head with the flexibility that I maintained from childhood. And I just, uh, but the pants are the hardest part. So I just hang them on that hook, step into them and wiggle my way in. Okay. I was going to say, how do you pull them up? But okay, I got you. Um, yeah, no, and now so like, cause you don't have very little, like you don't, don't have much there. How does like the sleeve, like, is it just like, does the sleeve just like hang there? As far as the shirt. Yeah, so I have empty sleeves, like the shirt I'm wearing now, just empty sleeves. And I don't wear long sleeves, clearly. Vests are easier for me. Um, I have to wear flip-flops because I need access to my feet. So being in Arizona works out in that department. I can keep flip-flops on my feet most of the year. Um, So shoes, you know, that cover the feet are more of a disservice to me. Um, And I just learn to kind of make things easier by having a looser fit wardrobe so I can get in and out of my clothes easier um, than, you know, tight fit like skinny jeans or something than that, that if I wear skinny jeans and I'm not able to use my legs in a easy manner. So mm-hmm. keeping things kind of more loose fitting is good. Right. Now, what do you, again, we, we, I, I've, we all deal with it, but like, what is your, uh, how do I put it? Like, what is your kind of daily relationship with people because obviously you you go places you you know you're an independent person but you got to use your feet so I don't know I mean do you eat at restaurants yeah it used to be something that I was bothered by a lot was the attention that I would bring to the table whenever I would be sitting down at a restaurant and I absolutely hated it I hated the stairs I hated people um, pretending not to see me but staring in reality when I'm not looking and those small things that bothered me, I learned through the years to just really not dwell on. And it's amazing how I really wanted to just acceptance and not uh, being um, alienated in that sense. But what I did is I, I finally progressed through the years and realized that, you know, the more negative attention I put on that, uh, the more negativity it will draw in to me. So the moment I started to put out this positive energy of, you know, people are going to stare no matter what. That's my reality. But it's only my job to be the best version of myself. And then that's the best I can do. And the moment I was able to accept that and understand that, it's amazing how my life started to just transform in the way that I would send out positive vibes when I was out at a restaurant eating with my toes. To the point where people even forgot that I didn't have arms. To the point that people didn't even notice because I carried myself with that kind of energy. Um, 
and it took a long time to get to that point, but now I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. So you, do you, I mean, I know I pretty much know the answer now, but so do you look at your condition or discipline, whatever you want to call it? Do you look at it more as a, a, you know, I don't know, a miracle or a God sense or a nuisance? I think it has been a journey to recognizing it, the positivity and the, and the blessing it, it is on my life. It wasn't always the case in the beginning. It was a nuisance, like you said. So I think it's been a journey from finding, turning it into what could have been a nuisance into something that has been a real blessing. And now it's used in a way to, to help advocate. It's used in a way to help inspire people and not just, you know, inspire them because I do the ordinary things, but inspire them because I do the things that are not ordinary, like fly planes, despite the fact that I was afraid of them. Um, and those types of things, uh, or get a black belt, a force to read black belt in Taekwondo, because I love the fact that I get confidence from practicing Taekwondo. Those things that are out of the ordinary um, are what inspire people, and, and, and those accomplishments. Right. Now, I, I want to ask, uh, getting your black belt, did, was that something you just wanted to do, or is that something you felt like maybe you were more vulnerable than the average person, you wanted to be able to defend yourself, or...? What was the reason by I was pretty, I mean, I, I was pretty coddled in a small community and protected and kind of naive. So the idea of having to protect myself never even dawned on me. I practiced Taekwondo because I think I had a lot of anger and aggression about me. And my mom thought this might be a good way to channel my energies in a positive outlet. So she enrolled me in Taekwondo when I was 10 and I practiced up until 14 when I got my first black belt and it just stuck with me and it was a part of my life that remains with me because I mean I went to a Taekwondo class last night so it's not just something I started got my black belt and ended but it's something that continued on through life and I um, practice it on at least once a week now as an adult and go to competitions and things on occasion so it's, it's a lifestyle now being a martial artist. That's awesome. What was it like the first time, like, your, uh, I don't know, what do you, what do you call it? Like your, I don't want to say your sensei, but like the, the guy who trains you, like, what was it like for him to see you for the first time? Like, did, did he take you serious? Uh, the first time the outlet, I'll mention, cause I've had many instructors, but I'll talk about my first instructor. And that was when I was 10. I think my mom wasn't quite sure how he would take me on as a student. So she went in to talk to him ahead of time and said, you know, my daughter doesn't have arms. Can she join your class and learn Taekwondo? And he said, well, as long as she has a good attitude. And fortunately, I did have a good attitude going into Taekwondo on that first day, and it, and, um, it stuck with me, and I continued on through the ring. That's awesome. And you probably were, like, a perfect example of, like, the ones that were slouching and acting stupid and just kind of half-assing. It's like, well, there's a girl right here that has no arms and clearly should have given up, but she refuses to and you guys are over here just dicking around which I don't know if you want to be made that I think my attitude came I was I was fortunate to have a a hard-working mom who taught me the the ethics of uh, hard work and and how important it is to to be um have a good attitude right exactly um so I mean you obviously said something that most people have no idea what it's like but um, and you said you're, I mean, 
what you do for a living is you fly planes. And obviously, off bat, most people don't know what the hell how to do that. But um, what you said you were afraid of them. So what what before actually telling us on how you do it and all the things that you know were in your way of being able to accomplish it. Um, what made you, if you were afraid of it, what made you want to get into that? Um, I wanted to fly because I'm a fear, fear, um, fearless person. I'm a risk taker in the sense that I like to do things even though I'm afraid of them. And I wanted to prove that you shouldn't let fear stand in the way of an opportunity as a speaker, as someone who goes on stage and speaks to people. And so I thought, what better way than to be an example and find my greatest fear, which was flying a plane and attempt to overcome it, to be able to become a certified pilot. And it was a heck of a long journey. I mean, it started off with how is this even possible to figuring it out one step at a time, little little step at a time to finally get to the point where um, it was a reality. And I think about it nowadays and, that, and when I'm even on the ground and I'm not in that plane, it's even hard for me to believe that, that I'm able to independently fly a plane, take off from the ground and land that plane safely uh, without special modifications, without anyone else in the airplane, just the standard air tube airplane. And it's such, a, it's such an honor to be able to fly as a pilot um, and the freedom of this country, which allow us to fly are so beautiful, I think, because... Um, it, uh, it just gives me the surge of confidence, the surge of empowerment. Any time I go flying, I come down and I have this surge of confidence for the rest of the day. Right. Now, if there was any, what were the hurdles? Besides the obvious of how to make it work, like, were people even willing to trust you to, like, go up and down? And, and you know, like, I mean, like I said, there's a lot that goes into flying a plane, you know, um, what what were the initial instructors and, and so on? It's kind of like the karate, but even more extreme because now you have people's lives at risk when you fly. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. So what, what were their initial reactions of trying, you know, to even making this possible? Um, I think it was more of a, if she can do that, then why can't she do this? If she can drive a car, then why shouldn't she be given a chance to fly a plane? If I can text with my toes, then why shouldn't I be given the chance to use the controls of an airplane? Um, and so seeing, it's one thing to hear, but to be able to witness the adaptability that I feel like I've been fortunate to have and the body can do when you when you have to, um, when they're able to witness that, they realize, okay, well then if she's driving this car with her right foot on the steering wheel well why not hold the yoke of the airplane with her right foot so it was just a matter of finding out certain things that were more challenging like landing the plane because of its awkwardness and how you have so much going on landing is the most crucial part of flight and it just took a lot of practice and it took a lot of trial and error to figure it out yeah. It's a, well, so what, what was the first time like when you actually succeeded? Like, was there like a real, like adrenaline rush? Oh gosh. Yeah. There was like, le- there's nothing like landing a plane and you talk to any pilot, no matter how old they are, no ha- matter how many hundreds or thousands of hours they have. Landing that plane is something special because there's so much involved and you can land it a beautiful, if you manage a beautiful landing, it's like a, it's a celebration. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be fun as hell to do, but um, obviously you have to take it very serious. Now, like, what what kind of flying do you do? Now, like, are you just like an airlines pilot, or you just do you do it in your spare time? Like, what? How is it something you actually yeah. paid to do? Spare time. Spare time. Okay. I'm a sport pilot, so I definitely do it in my spare time. Okay, I gotcha. Um, but it's, I mean, that's great that you, like I said, it's, it seems like you're kind of addicted to trying to even prove yourself wrong. Like, cause I'm sure there's doubt yeah, in your own mind. It can be addicting. Yeah. And you're picking. And, it's, tough and you know, it's funny. You say doubt and it's funny cause I think about it and it's like, I fortunately feel like more of the doubt comes from the outside and it's, it's that battle of, Hey, you know, I got to prove that I can do this. Um, because you know it when you have self, um, assuredness that you can do it, but it's, it's living a whole life of, of people who've always doubted you because it's just not practical when you see someone without arms and think, Oh, they've got their whole life managed because they can just do it with their feet. That's just not the go-to. So for me, it's, I think it's, it's more of the self, the, the doubt that comes from the outside. Right. Well, I think, yeah, I, I, absolutely. But then I think it, what it does, I mean, again, at least for me, it comes from the outside, but then it seeps in and it starts to get to the point where you mm-hmm. actually believe what they're saying. And then you have to kind of rewire yourself and actually say, okay, especially like with you, like, you know, that was a good example where you're like, okay, I already drive, I drive a car. So even though I'm sure driving a plane is harder, it's, it's like, okay, but I can do that. Like, that's something that most people would just say, like, you tell me a girl drives with her feet. Yeah. Well, how the hell she do that? I don't know. So it's like if you could accomplish that and get a black belt. Like, it's one thing to do karate or whatever to do something physical, but it's another thing to get a black belt. Like, there's a lot of training and, and you know, th- there's a lot of time that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even the greatest, like, you know, three-time black belts and like you know, multi-champions and all like they they don't get those until years and years of hard work. Um, so to do that while having no arms is a whole other ballgame. So I'm sure, you know, like I said, you, you, the doubt is probably now probably now at your how old are you now? Thirty-eight. Right. So you're at an age now where you kind of you pretty much for the most part probably know who you are and what you can accomplish and. I'm sure you still have some doubt, but it's probably easier to defeat now than it was, you know, obviously in your teenager years or your twenties. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's something, and it's unfortunate because we all started off. So, um, like we could do anything, you know, as kids and then life happens and people's voices seep in, like you were saying, and, and heighten the self doubt that being human, we all have self-doubt to a certain extent, but then it gets heightened by our experiences and the people who are negative in our life. And um, so overcoming those are, you know, it's, it's, a, it's more of the battle than the actual act of doing something sometimes. Absolutely. Um, does that, is that something that you take pride in though? Just saying like, look, I'm a, I mean, I don't know if there's any out there, but I'm one of, or one of the only pilots with no arms. Like, is that something that like you could, you like, wear as like a badge of honor yeah i don't i sometimes again it's my normal so i don't think it's of it so i don't make it out to be so big um because it's by norm this is what i did and and i went through the steps of of certifying as a pilot and, and training 
and I guess not every day I think about it like, wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. Right. Um, I'm to it at this point. But now I think more about it. Yeah. I think about how, I mean, it's just sometimes you just kind of do things and you don't realize it until, um, you know, you look around and you realize that there are people, unfortunately, with disabilities in the world, not in the United States, who are not given the same opportunities. And it's, it's a reality. And it's, it's so hard to, to be able to hear the stories of people who maybe not even get to go to school because they have a certain disability. Like I've been to countries where less than 3% of children are able to attend school if they have a disability. And it's an unfortunate truth in so many places around the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, you should never compare stories, but it's like, you know, I've interviewed a teacher who worked with um, students with like autism and, and special needs and stuff. And you just like, you feel horrible for them. Even though, like I've said, like, I think they're kind of the people we should be like, they're happy. Yes. Maybe they're not all mentally there, but they're, they're fantastic. They are very simple. They don't, they don't need a lot of things. They don't need all this dumb shit that we're all constantly striving for, like the next iPhone or the next whatever. And, uh, what we, what they don't care about, they look like, they just want like affection and want to be just, they want, you know, instant gratification of just being happy and that they did good. Um, but it breaks your heart. Cause like I, mm-hmm. I, interviewed, I interviewed a woman who has, um, cerebral palsy and she's, she's super intelligent. She's a great person. And then when she told me the story of like, how like, you know, she, her mother has to bathe her her whole life. And it's like, it broke my heart because it's like, she's this woman who's very powerful and everything she says. And she's, she's, you know, she's an author and, and she, um, you know, has her own radio show. She does all these things, but then you break her down and it's like, she's such a strong person, but then you look at her now she's being bathed by her mother. And I'm, and I knew that like really bothered her because it was like, man, like she, she wants to be an adult. But there's this small part of her mm-hmm. knows that she can't fully be that. And it's like, oh, like that like killed me because it's like I'm still sitting here bitching about my problems. And I'm just like, man, like, I don't know. Like, it's just I don't know. But, yeah, like you can't compare stories because, I mean, you know, they say there's always someone worse, uh, worse off than you and then mm-hmm. someone worse off than them. <clears throat> so you just got to try to be humble. And um, this is kind of an obvious question because. I think we all kind of feel this way, but do you ever forget sometimes you have a disability? I do all the time. It's like, it's like the world is what reminds me that I do (laughs) because I don't even think about it. Um, I just kind of live life through my feet and those things that are harder to do, like a ponytail. I have to ask someone to help me do my hair in a ponytail, but I don't think about it. And in there are times when I just forget until I'm reminded again when I step outside my door my of my home and then someone looks at me or asks a question how did you lose your arm and I'm like oh yeah I forgot right yeah mine humbles it, me it, for people this is not the norm oh yeah yeah it humbles me there's times where I do forget I just I'm trying I'm like overly confident like I'm like yeah like I'm gonna sit back here and watch this movie and then I'm like Oh, you dumbass. What you, what, you've never done that in your life. Like go over there, sit closer to the TV and watch your movie. Like, and I just, and I kind of, I mean, look, there's days that kind of bothers me a little, but for the most part, I just kind of laugh it off. And, um, but the reason why I asked you that question mainly is because I was looking at some of your stuff and you had that thing was like, was like tofu Tuesday or whatever it was. And I just, like, you could tell you have mm-hmm. an actual sense of humor about it and you kind of, and it's not even just in like a really dark place where it's just like, uh, like, 
you know, you, you genuinely are just laughing and having fun with it. Um, and, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff that you need. Like, you need to kind of be able to laugh at yourself and be able to accept what you have and what you are um, and not take the opinions of others. Because if other people's opinions, even even the positive ones, I mean, they're nice, but if you actually are waiting for people to actually say, like, oh, you're beautiful and, you know, oh, you're so amazing, it's like, yeah, you are. But if you just are waiting for other people to tell you that, it's it's not going to go well because there's going to be a lot of bad examples of people just saying you're this and you're that or you're not that. And, um, so, yeah. Yep. But, yeah, it's really good that you have like a well, sense of humor. Yeah. Um, just, Thank you for what you do, too. It's, that, it's I think it's wonderful you getting the word out there. Um, and from someone with a disability to, um, you know, from one person to another person with a disability, I think it's great to have that sense of community and um, knowing that, you know, that you're not the only one and that there are other people out there who are faced every day with challenges. And it's, it's really great that you're doing what you're doing to get the word out. Yeah, thank you. I think, honestly, like, half of my depression nowadays comes from just trying to figure out how to make it bigger because I care so much about keeping people like us alive because so many of, I mean, there are a lot of us that kill ourselves or and again, not just people with disabilities, but people with mental health. And it's just, there's so many people that just feel mm-hmm. like they're alone and they don't have anyone to talk to and no one to just give them some sort of affection or anything. Um, and it's really sad. So it's something I like, you know, look, I got my problems and I'm, I'm trying to deal with them, but like talking to people like you make my life better because it's like you, you know, you inspire me to keep going and, and realize like what I lack and, and what I can get better at. And, and just the fact that like, yeah, one, I'm not alone. And two is just, you know, I can overcome anything if I just put my mind to it and just continue to push and stop just looking for it's going to happen tomorrow. Just be patient. Um, quickly i'm sure you you probably gotta go but like talk about like what made you want to get into advocating and speaking i always felt like i had a voice though i was you know the shyest person in my senior class in high school though i was very withdrawn and everyone just thought i was the quiet girl i felt like this this voice that was boiling within that i needed to say something and that voice and that urge and need to say something started to develop probably in college. And I realized I need to create this profession as a speaker. And I decided to do, do it right after my college graduation. I went straight into it and said, you know, and just like you're doing, I couldn't afford to do the work that I wanted to do without having other jobs. So I had like side jobs, like as a secretary or a call center or other jobs to be able to fund it because any kind of business takes a certain investment of time, energy, money, and then to get your name out there. So I knew it was going to be a process and right around uh, college graduation, I decided to put all my efforts into developing this career as a business, a business as a speaker. And I knew it would give me the flexibility. It would give me the freedom uh, that I needed. Um, the freedom to work from home and to uh, be my own boss. And at the same time, it gave me the outlet for my voice that I felt was boiling inside to share with the world. And it all came together, you know, right at that time. 
And right about the same time, I was also given the opportunity to start flight training. And together, I could marry the two, flight training and doing something that I was terrified of, and also speaking so that I could use the press that I would get from the flying to launch the speaking career and the speaking platform. And together, they came, they worked so well, um, and people um, were moved by the aviation message that they did invite me to come out and speak and talk about how I learned how to fly a plane and fly it with my feet and how I became certified and overcome overcame those challenges. All right. That's awesome. Uh, one, one final question. Um, or not question, but like, well, yeah, I guess kind of, uh, I always like to let people, especially the guests, you know, they have their own story and so on, but like, do you have any kind of message for anybody who's, they don't, you don't have to be exactly, you know, in your situation, but someone who's at a disadvantage and someone who's battling whatever they're battling. I mean, we all have our problems. Um, but especially if someone who's like you, like, do you have any message for them as far as, you know, you're, you're at a place where you're developed and you know who you are and maybe they're at the early stages of, you know, when they were a young Jessica and they're kind of trying to find themselves. Like, do you have any message for them and, and how to direct their life and where they should go with it? Yeah. I want to say to that person, whoever that is, because we were all there at one point, um, to be patient and nothing's going to happen overnight. Uh, it's going to be a journey and that journey of, 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 um, being self-confident, that journey of uh, being self-assured that you um, and, and becoming who you are and the best version of yourself, it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. Um, I would say not to worry about what the outside world is doing um, because, unfortunately, the reality is there is a lot of negativity out there. And don't let that pull you down. Don't let it bring you down. Keep fighting the good fight for who you are and who you want to become and what you want to achieve and what is it is you want, what it is that you want to do in life because um, it's going to be well worth it. And everyone, everyone will progress. Uh, just don't give up. Yeah. That, that's, that's the main part of it too. Just don't give up. Um, it's so easy to, honestly, it's much harder to stick around. I always say like, not that I know what it's like to kill myself, but I battled suicide and wanted to do it and so on. But, you know, I think the easier part, once you get past the, like, oh, I'm going to do it stage, I think it's, it's way harder to actually stay around because now you don't have any, you know, you kill yourself, you don't have any more consequences, you don't have any more problems, you don't have to worry about anything else. Um, you don't have mm -hmm. a conscience anymore. You don't, you don't, like I said, you don't have to overcome anything. Everything's done at that point. Um, and so it's like, if you give up again, I don't, I don't look at those people as weak either, but I'm just saying like, once you give up, like, you know, I, I heard someone say like, you should never have a plan B. Now, I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but like you should, if you have an, a real goal in mind, you should stay with that and really push for it. Don't be discouraged by negativity or, you know, like what you said, what, what other people are doing. Um, but again, like, yeah, I honestly, like just in, in closing, like, I think you're a very extraordinary, like awesome person. I'm, I know I just, we just met and I think you're, I mean, you're obviously super brave. Uh, I love what you do. I'm very proud of everything you've accomplished. And, uh, like I said, I hope you, hope you stay in touch. Um, but yeah, like if there's anything you need or, or whatever, just someone to talk to, I'm, I'm always around. 
Uh, thank you. Yeah, we'll stay in touch. If, even if on social media, you can find me on JCMS uh, official. Um, but I hope, uh, you know, we can stay in touch and thanks for continue more power to what you're doing. Thanks for, please continue what you're doing. Yeah, please. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I'll let you know when your episode comes out and, uh, uh, I will, whatever you want to promote or whatever, I will put it in the link in description when the episode comes out and I'll ask you for all that when it comes out. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank Thanks. you. Take yeah. care. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. That was, uh. Yeah, it was a doozy. Uh, she's great, and uh, yeah, I don't. I like I said, I, I just I saw her, and I was just like captivated by her story, and I was like, I gotta interview this girl. Like, I don't know how you look past a harmless pilot. Um, I'm clearly like, just I, I have no filter. Like, I don't even know. If, is that insensitive to say? <laughs> like, uh, I don't. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, she's she's a fantastic person, and um. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't even have to hope for the best because she's, she is that. Um, she embodies just overcoming and being a strong person. And so uh, I love that about her. Uh, if you hear birds in the background, the window's open because Bullet is chilling. Hold up. Nope, he was chilling in the window. I left the, I literally, I spoiled this fucking cat. I spoiled him. He just was laying in the window and I leave it open for him and the birds are chirping. So, uh, yeah, so I, I'm not, you know, putting bird noises in the background of the podcast. I, I like to just, I, maybe you guys hate it. Maybe you like it. I don't know. I just like to keep it raw and just what it is, what happens, happens. I may take out something silly or whatever. Um, but in general, I just leave it the way it is. I rarely edit, clearly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, thank you for the support. And um, see you guys on the next one. All right, guys. Bye.